1: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Binks swearing is
2: performative. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. It's funny the things that Wes would say. That was one of them. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with just one hero. Right now, it's Greg Rosenthal and our, our good friend, uh, Mark Sessler. A little bit under the weather today, so we hope to have him back for the network show on Friday and then uh, back in action next week. And and Greg, I mean, I, I, think, I think we need to call in some reinforcements. We can't do a, just a two-hander. This isn't a Mike and the Mad Dog show. We need more. Yeah, we could. I mean, that's selling us short, Dan. We've done this for seven
3: years. But the show will be much better uh, with a third quality guest
2: that we have. And quality is the word. Let's welcome him on. He is, he is the football writer over in Bristol. And he is a... Uh, we're all longtime fans of his work. This is his second appearance on the show. Give me a little sweet guitar lick. And now... <laughs> yeah, you know who he is. Bill Barnwell, back in the house on the Around the NFL podcast. What's up, buddy?
4: Hey, how's it going? A pale replacement for Mark Sessler, but I will do my best. <laughs> now
3: you were on the show with him. It was going to be four of us. Barnwell, who I've I've known now for you know more than a decade. It took us a seven years to have him on by mistake, but now we're just now we're just taking advantage of you we move the time around all all day you know you you are very flexible what a, what a show this is going to be
4: this is my this is my daily project i am committed <laughs> to this i would be here all day and all night if you guys would have me
2: okay oh, well that's great to hear you're going to regret those words um, <laughs> but uh, yes bill barnwell is with us to go through all the happenings in uh the NFL in our league and uh, a little later in the show we are going to Uh, Bill wrote two great pieces, as he does every year, breaking down the free agent signings that he thought were smart Mm -hmm. and the ones that he didn't like very much at all. And we're also going to catch up with the news. But I feel like, and I have two very smart football men with me right now. Uh, I'm pinching myself. (laughs) Um, I have to say, this is the time, Bill, right or wrong, where the real smart teams do their damage now. Second and third wave, right? The The players that people aren't thinking as much about, you're going to see some of these guys coming off the board the next week or two that are going to have a big impact in 2021.
4: Day one of free agency, as you guys know. It's for the basics. It's for the simps. Is that, the, the, right, <laughs> is that the right word? That's for not the sure. Patriots. It's for, for the, the Patriots. Patriots. The <laughs> new basics of the NFL. I mean, it seems like year after year, you can sort of take the first day of free agency and take about 90% of the contracts you see and say, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. That was a bad idea. And it does seem like as time goes on, as you get into the end of the first week, and now in the second week of free agency, we see smarter signings happening. We see teams who we typically regard as smart making moves now. And, of course, we see teams trying to make moves, like the Ravens, for example. Um, Those moves don't always work out, but at least there is a coherent plan and a grasp on what the market is. Whereas in the first day of free agency, you may have no idea what the market is, as we saw with uh, the team you just mentioned, the New England Patriots.
3: It's gone quickly, though. I mean, things got quiet fast this week, relatively. Yes. We, we have some news, but, you know, we're leading the show with T.Y. Hilton in a second. And that's a big step down, uh, you know, as like a top story. And I'm looking at my original top 101, and there's, mm-hmm. I think, only four players left out of the top 40. And two of those have major, I- right, have major injury problems. Mm-hmm. That's like the main reason why they're not even... You know, signed yet Jadevian Clowney and, and Mitchell Schwartz, who I threw out of there just for respect, even though, like, he maybe is retiring. But if he plays again, then I feel yes. like, well, he's worth a shot. He's worth a shot if he plays at some point.
4: Didn't Kyle Long just come back after, like, three years out of the league? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Mitchell Mitchell, be back.
2: We'll see. He could be. And he would be an asset, you would think, if he's healthy. Uh, yes, let's do it. Let's, before we get into uh, Bill slamming some teams, including Greg's <laughs> Patriots, which I love. Uh, that's why I'm you getting... wanted Bill. That's why you wanted Bill. Bill do you <laughs> think do...
3: swearing is performative? By the way, it was one of the hottest takes ever by our friend Chris Westling, and it did, it did make me rethink it. Th- rethink swearing. I don't think that's totally true. I think in the right spot, <laughs> but maybe it's still performative a little bit. It's a, it's a hot I, take.
4: I I think it's certainly performative to an extent. Like I remember at Grantland we had the ability to curse in our articles. Like there was like a swear word in a, the first article ever on Grantland and people were like, "Oh, this is crazy. Writing on the internet with curse words, you can't do that." Um, and I think I did it once then I was like, "Yeah, I don't need to do this. Like writing there's a is, lot of words I can use."
3: Writing is definitely writing swear words is definitely performative. I think that. so.
4: On a podcast, I think you have to be very selective. I would say maybe if I do one a year, I feel like I am using it appropriately. I mean,
2: isn't writing on some level performative itself? I mean, you want to? <laughs> isn't, you want you,
4: isn't living performative? <laughs>
2: right. I mean, podcast is is
3: completely performative. So that it, you have well, a good point, Dan.
2: Here is here is one take I'll, I'll share here because, again, I'm in the midst, Bill, um, of, well, I've now moved in, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I injure myself every day, whether sure. it's catching my hand in a door or the hammer, <laughs> something goes horribly wrong. And I have two young boys in the house, and you're trying to set a good example and not sure. use certain swear words. Uh, but when I do invariably bang my thumb, I will, you know, I'll let it rip. I'll, go, I'll say, <laughs> or something like that. Sure. Now, here's the thing, and that was performative. No, that was actually just telling the story. <laughs> but that's a, I don't know. Exactly. Um, here's the thing. I have actually read about this, okay. that when you use language like that, um it actually is it, from the body standpoint it actually helps it's a way your brain handles pain so it actually has a physical use in those type of situations
4: I I think that makes sense but it also sounds like an excuse someone came up with to justify <laughs> swearing it's it sounds like a team justifying a free agent move like right. like they're right, like they spent a little too much money and they're like ah like they're okay with it but they want to have a good excuse publicly that,
3: that was Bill, you know, segwaying us back on track. No, but I think He's like, we means. wouldn't do this on the Bill Barnwell show. <laughs> Me and, you know, Brinson would be really locking it down right now.
2: All right, then let's let's do that if that's indeed the case. Let's hit the news, Ricky. Now,
4: here's what's happened so far. The Oral Roberts University stunning Ohio State. You
2: know, first of all, kudos, a shot across uh, Burt Breer's bow from Kevin Harlan, but more. I just wanted to point out that, um, remember that Kevin Harlan is not just a gift to NFL fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you talk about the great broadcasters out there and we've had Kevin on the show and we're all big fans, you know, you check, you plug in on March Madness. There he is. He's all over the place and he's, he's one of the greats next when we do our power rankings, Greg, next time for our announcers, uh, we need to keep in mind just the versatility that the man has. Hmm.
4: Have you guys I mean, done a Power Rankings for Announcers?
2: We did a, a a light one, yeah. We we didn't totally
3: say who was last. That was sort of like a group. Um, but we went, We did the top and Harlan was very
2: close to it. Can we say now that Dick Stockton retired, can we say that he was last? No.
4: Oh, no. I, oh. Mean. No. I mean, he... <laughs> the the man just retired. <laughs> Give him a few days.
3: He Look, he did the Carlton Fisk game uh in the 75 World Series. So you know, the last few years were just like Johnny Unitas in a Chargers uniform. It was an all-time legend. Doesn't change what he did. I but, know. You know I feel like someone
4: just odd. hit a big prop on Greg making a baseball reference in the first 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, all right, let's get into it. Yes, Greg uh, teased that T.Y. Hilton re-signs with the Indianapolis Colts. One year, $10 million. Eight of that is guaranteed. The Colts were in the market to add another receiver Uh, for Carson Wentz, uh, they were, they kicked the tires on Sammy Watkins, Mm -hmm. uh, but they end up going with T.Y. Hilton, um, 31 years old, 10th season, uh, finished strong, Bill. I think there was a, there was an idea that he was maybe going the way of A.J. Green, although Mm -hmm. the Cardinals certainly don't think A.J. Green's going the way of A.J. Green. (laughs) Um, and then he came on really strong and looked pretty vintage in December. Which version do you think Indianapolis gets in 2021?
4: I think they get something between those two. I know that's the boring answer, but I feel like he was a little better uh, over the first half of the year than maybe um, the numbers indicated. He had a lot of plays where, like, I think he had a bunch of touchdowns called back via penalty, maybe, or some big plays that were narrowly out of bounds, maybe. Like, he had it, it felt like he was on the fringes of being the guy he had been in years past, and then in the second half, maybe was a little more lucky. Um, I, I think part of this depends on Carson Wentz, and I think part of it depends on um, how the other receivers in that group develop. Because if Paris Campbell is healthy, which he has not been for the first two years of his career, if Michael Pittman takes a step forward, you know, I don't think Tua Hilton's going to be more than a you know a secondary or even tertiary threat in that mm-hmm. offense. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz is someone who I don't know how well this translates from team to team, but in Philadelphia, was a guy who loved throwing to his tight ends, so. I, I don't see this being like a dynamic downfield passing attack, and I think with Ty, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's a, a solid receiver, but I don't know that he is someone who is going to age all that well given his skill set.
3: He got open, though. I'm, I was always a big fan of his. I'm with you. He could have had a lot more yards in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a lot of just either just missed throws or penalties and things like that. He could still get open. I, I like watching him. I find it interesting. Rap sheet said he turned down more money from the Ravens. The Ravens mm-hmm. keep, like,
1: mm-hmm. I
3: don't know if this is all true, but they keep getting, if it it is, this is, like, the third deal, supposedly, where they've offered more,
2: slightly more money and the player didn't take it. Mm -hmm. Rap Sheet said it was, quote-unquote, significant in terms of uh, more money. And, yeah, you do wonder if there's something to that, the the juju situation, now this – do wide receivers when they look at the two offers and they go, well, this is the team that threw the ball 404 times last yeah. year, less than anyone in the league. If I, ha- if there's a tie break, I'm going to go to the team that throws the
3: football to me, especially on a one-year deal. And you don't have to move. He's been there. He's the man. I love Ty Hilton. I thought maybe I was being biased, but I thought he had a lot left uh, and was you know still the best receiver on a pretty good offense last year.
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, it could be true if the Bravens offered maybe a three-year deal that had maybe just a tiny bit more in guaranteed money, which I wouldn't shock me either. Um, I I think if you're a receiver and you're looking at the Ravens, the first thing you're thinking is, oh, I'm going to have to block a lot. Like uh, most times I'm going to be on the field, I'm going to be blocking. Yeah,
2: like, That absolutely. might
4: not be the most fun thing. Like you might want to just run routes. That's more fun than blocking to me as someone who's not a receiver and doesn't have to block. So right. I like, get you
2: paid more in the long run to be catching the football rather than doing that dirty work.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like it's going to be tough for the Ravens. It might be a position where they have to go out and use a first-round pick on a wide receiver or maybe trade uh, Orlando Brown for a wide receiver of some nature.
2: In other news. All right, Barnwell. I don't know, Bill, if you – where would you grow up, Bill?
4: I grew up in Queens, New York City.
2: Oh, that's where my mother was born. Um, So you are – you born in New York, Giants fan. I don't know where you're at in your fandom – in current days, but I do want to see where you are in the Giants right now. So Kenny Galladay, obviously Mm -hmm. we know that news from last week. He gets the big deal to be their first true number one since Odell left town. They stay busy. Uh, This happened a few days back. They signed Adore Jackson, the cornerback, formerly of the Titans, three years, $39 million, $26.5 million, guaranteed. So that's top money in this Mm -hmm. market right now. How do you feel about the Giants in general and these signings? Uh,
4: I'm a little skeptical. And I mean, it's less about the players and more about the logic that led to the players arriving, right? Kenny Galladay, a guy who was one of the top receivers on the market in a market where top receivers have basically all signed for one-year deals. And Kenny Galladay extracts a significant multi-year contract from the Giants. I don't think the contract itself is the issue, but I don't know who else they were bidding against to give him that multi-year contract. And then with Adorea Jackson, we talked a little bit about this on Twitter, Greg, if I'm not mistaken something happened here. There's some, like someone made a mistake. This can't have been a logical thing because <laughs> Tennessee Titans could have uh, kept Gary Jackson guaranteed his fifth year option for a little over $10 million. Right. He leaves. He's a free agent. The Giants give him a three year, $39 million deal with, I believe, according to Ian Rapoport, 16 million in year one, I want to say 26 or 29 over two, like, like, you know, clearly more than 10 over one. And, even if you trade a seventh-round pick to Tennessee to get a Dory Jackson, uh, you still have the leverage to, signing him, to sign him to a better deal, even if you want to sign him to a multi-year contract. So either Tennessee did not appropriately scout out the market for a Jackson and cost themselves the opportunity to get a draft pick, or the Giants did not appropriately figure out if they were going to make a trade for a Dore Jackson and paid – over the odds for him once he became a free agent, even though nobody wanted to trade for him on a one-year deal for a little over $10 million. Now, I don't know what you guys think, but could they both be wrong? Is there one team that's more likely to make a mistake like this? Given what the Giants seem to do with value when it comes to players, <laughs> I do kind of lean towards them making the mistake.
3: I But the Titans are are weird. I, I am with you. I didn't even think about the draft pick thing. They could have gotten a draft pick for a Dory Jackson. I don't totally buy, you know, with with Galladay and with Jackson. Like, if the price gets that high, mm-hmm. I, there was someone else bidding. Almost always. Like, it just doesn't come out of, It's the same thing with, like, the Jared Davis deal made no sense to me for the mm-hmm. Jets. But it, I think it does indicate... There was another team bidding against him. It's just that's, mm-hmm. that's how it goes. It didn't, doesn't get that high out of nowhere. Maybe both those teams are making mistakes. I like Adore Jackson a lot. He's totally streaky. Like mm-hmm. he can be like a top 10 cornerback for eight straight games. Um, but then he can get lit up and he could, uh, get hurt. And mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised he got money really at the top of the, cornerback market like he got the same as William Jackson and Shaquille Griffin but I would say he has more upside than the two of them at least the Giants are going for it I don't care if the Giants blow it and they stink they look a little more watchable that's more important for me is they've added some players I like to watch and I think they'll be more competitive so they're you're, they're gonna put the Giants in prime time I'd rather watch them with Kenny Galladay and or Adoree Jackson
4: now Dan I saw someone tweet this week that by adding a Dory Jackson, the Giants have the best secondary in football. Stop. It, Do, are we even best. sure? Are we even sure they have the best <laughs> secondary amongst the three New York teams? Wow. I
2: mean, uh, I, by the way, I like grouping the Bills in. All the Bills fans listening are going to really be into that. Well, I mean, that means that we're the ex- only New York team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if that's indeed the case... uh Dave Gettleman's doing way better than I than I realized because I was about to say, to your prior point, that it felt like it made a lot of logical sense that both John Robinson and Gettleman could have messed up. Sure. That checks right. out to me. <laughs> Those two guys, there's some moves that I, over the last couple of years that have been head scratchers. The <laughs> Titans let ja- Jack Conklin go. He was he could have
3: been a fifth-year option guy. They mm-hmm. decided not to. He ends up being an all-pro. Uh and then Corey Davis could have been a fifth-year option guy. And I don't understand when the teams – now now they're guaranteed, but I think last year they weren't. Like, they, they decided not to – it seems weird. Three straight guys, basically, that were first-round picks and not bad first-round picks. You know, Conklin and Jackson, I would say, were good. Davis was okay, and, and they let them all go, and other teams paid them a lot. It's
2: just weird. Uh, also weird, the Saints without Drew Brees. That's a thing now, and now we yes. figure out what happens next at the quarterback position rap sheet reported that Winston quote does have a leg up on Taysom Hill in the Saints quarterback uh competition mm-hmm. greg i know this is this is really uh <laughs> this is getting you excited you you see james winston as uh, you know, one of the great players of all time. Essentially, <laughs> no. is that that's where you're heading in terms of your description of the man. Uh, do you think this is how it's going to play out? I still can't get past this like sneaking suspicion that Sean Payton's got something up his sleeve.
3: I think he's like a high variance player that at times can yeah look like a top ten quarterback. The difference between him and Cousins maybe isn't that, that much. And I only put this in the news. This is not by the, the way, level you, Bill. You know
2: that Greg just said high variance player just to impress you. He doesn't usually say that with me <laughs> and Mark. Um, the whole this whole pod is just to impress (laughs)
3: Phil um I uh, I only put this in the news because I was curious. What I did want to see what Bill thought, and I and I think it kind of is interesting because I I have a theory that Rappaport uh, is a little bit of the Jameis Winston whisperer though. He Ooh. he kind of was saying for a while. You've brought this mm. up before, Dan, that how close the Bucks were to paying Jameis Winston thirty million dollars a year before he tanked in December mm-hmm. twenty nineteen, and may, maybe he wasn't really that close. I don't really know, but I like that Rappaport's always been kind of banging the Winston. Uh, drum, and I like this. This makes sense to me. It doesn't totally check out because they played Taysom Hill over him. But I am I am curious if you're you're at all excited, Bill, over over the Winston thing coming.
4: I'm excited about the idea, but I think you brought up my concern, which is look at the money, look at what they've done when they actually had an opportunity last year. They give Taysom Hill an inexplicable one year. $16 million extension, which guarantees him a significant amount of money for 2020. Now, of course, he gets that crazy four-year $140 million fake extension, which is weird. I don't know how you tell your family about that. I don't know how you <laughs> talk about that with like the people around you. Like, like I, I don't know. I mentioned this with my, my podcast yesterday um, with uh, Lindsay Jones where it's just like Like, do you tell your wife excitedly, yeah, I got a four-year, $140 million extension. It means nothing. It doesn't count for anything. There's no way we could see it. But, like, at least on paper, I'm worth this much. Um, You know, they pay and Hill when... Drew Brees goes down. They don't bring in Jameis. They start tasting home for four starts. He was pretty much what you would have expected, right? Like He was okay. He was okay. He was, like okay. He was not that bad. Game, The Broncos game was rough. The first half of the Eagles game was rough. But like Michael Thomas was hurt. They weren't 100% on offense. And they moved the ball pretty well. I thought he did fine, given what you know. at least my expectations were for tasting them. I think he had a QBR in the 55 range, which you can work with that. Um, so... Then Jameis comes in and he throws one touchdown pass in the playoffs. They sign him to a one-year deal. He's making less than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill has been the starter when they had to put somebody in. Like, I understand that they might be excited about the idea of Jameis, but when push comes to shove, they've been using Taysom, and they've been paying Taysom. So to me, I think until I actually see Jameis starting in week one, I assume Taysom's going to start. Mm, great. That would my that would my, fa- my favorite little
3: nugget was the rap sheet said though how good he was in practice. They were just like blown away by how he was in practice all year. I was like, okay, I'll buy it. This is his chance. I mean, this is. Yeah. I I, think said, it, I really think Sean Payton has a, and maybe Belichick had this too, but I really think whether it affects them at our, or not, I don't know. But I think he would love nothing more than to be awesome without Drew Brees. He okay. like he's putting his faith into Jameis Winston. For Let that. me ask
4: you though. 2022 we know what kind of quarterback dan campbell wants we know the attitude dan campbell wants isn't there a pretty reasonable chance that Taysom hill is the starting quarterback for the detroit lions
3: that would be good i i've had a i kind of have this thing where i want them to become the nfl's oklahoma city thunder i saw this stat (laughs) that the thunder have 17 first round picks and 17 third second round picks In the next six years, Mm -hmm. I was like, some NFL team should try that. And the (laughs) Lions are that team. And Taysom Hill would be the perfect quarterback in the meantime to do that Mm -hmm. strategy.
2: In other news, the Eagles have filled a hole in their roster. It's backup quarterback, hopefully backup quarterback, Joe Flacco who gets actually a raise from what he was making last year coming off neck surgery and his one and done year with the Jets. It gets, he gets three and a half million in guarantees. It can get up to seven and a half if he hits a bunch of incentives. So he will be hypothetically here. Jalen Hurts is backup. Do you put anything into Bill when people are? trying to figure out these backup positions, and they say, well, this doesn't make sense because Joe Flacco can't move. He's a, almost a literal statue at this stage of the game. And Jalen Hurts' whole ga- game is about kinetic movement and making yep. plays. Um, is that, Does that make this a bad fit, or is it good just to have a 36-year-old who could sling it a little bit still? Kinetic was absolutely
3: to impress by him <laughs> <off> there.
4: <laughs> it's a Radiohead B-side, so I appreciate that. It works on wow. multiple levels for me. Um I like the idea of having a quarterback who does the same thing as your starter. I think it makes sense. I think it makes it easier to sub guys in. I love the Mitch Trubisky signing in Buffalo for that reason. Like having a guy who's mobile, who can run the same sort of offensive stuff, even if he's not as good, at least, you don't have to make all that many changes on offense. I I have really gone back and forth in this Joe Flacco signing, guys. Like Wow. most backup quarterback signings, I'm like, eh, yeah, good. Or oh yeah, kind of bad. I, I forget about it. I feel like I've really gone Like, I I thought it was awful. I thought it was great. I thought it was awful again. I'm going back towards great now because I think the Eagles fan base, which I would say hates the team right now.
2: Yeah, sounds right.
4: They could love Joe Flacco. Local guy, kind of a goof, uh, tall white guy. Um, You know, like, I feel like he he has sort of like less athletic Nick Foles vibes, but he's a local on top of that. So I think... Eagles fans love their backup quarterback until they actually have to see him play. And I could see Joe Flacco coming in for perhaps an injured Jalen Hurts and winning a couple games and having them be vaguely competitive in a messy NFC East. And I could see Joe Flacco not getting a statue necessarily, not getting the Nick Foles statue, (laughs) but at least least having a menu item named after him at a Eagle Stadium concession stand.
2: Wow. That would be amazing. The fact that Flacco moves like a statue can't you just like stick joe flacco in front of the stadium for five hours around game days and just then you don't have to worry about paying anyone to make the statue
4: you can get a non-fungible token of joe flacco and just put it outside the station
3: <laughs> i <laughs> i love that i'm a little wary though of the quotes he had on his press conference and the eagles fans got all fired up because there was all these incentives in the deal that could make it high. i mean he's getting paid wait now, joe
2: flacco had a press conference he did i missed yeah. it why yeah. I don't know.
3: Um, I I was a little wary, though, because he was like, they haven't told me what my role is, and I'm a competitive guy. And I got thinking, and he was like, I got thinking about the Baltimore year when, I don't hold it against them, but I, I don't think he was not like Alex Smith to Lamar Jackson's Patrick Mahomes. Even though they played it okay publicly, he was a little more Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady, where he was clearly a little resentful and maybe not overly helpful and made a little bit of a problem, which isn't like shocking from Mm -hmm. a guy who won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to like hold it. But I think it might just be a little bit of a messy situation. He is not the Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. I think that's just like going to love up the guy underneath him, Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm almost a little surprised like Flacco's still playing. I thought he was going to maybe just retire once he wasn't making big money. But he said of all things, Dan, that playing with the Jets – Helped him realize how much he loved playing the game. That's yeah, Adam Gase, man.
2: That's the ultra know, Adam Gales I don't
3: know Gales what was that was. Saying. And he was okay. He was okay with the Jets. He could have been worse. I he was, was a little
2: better than I thought. Two things that I picked up in the last few minutes. First of all, you know Bill's a football guy when he's just like laying in bed thinking about whether the Joe Flacco deal was right for the <laughs> Eagles. I love that. And two, Greg, I, I, you have yet to get off any passive-aggressive shots at me about how Joe Flacco actually played better than Sam Darnold last year. If you want to squeeze that in, go ahead. I mean, that's well, you it. made
3: you made me feel bad uh, <laughs> that I do bring up Darnold every episode last uh, show. And then I was like, you know what? You might have a point there. Um, <laughs> well, I, kind I kind of like brought a it up. I said, spot. I said Flacco. Yeah, I said Flacco was a little better than I expected last year. It was low expectations, but I thought he played a little better than, than people that probably uh, didn't watch him think.
4: I so. have a question for you guys.
3: Yeah. Wow. Do you think, More Flacco.
4: Do, it is going to be Flacco-related. I'm not going to lie. Do you think the decision to bring in Joe Flacco precludes the Eagles from drafting a quarterback in the first round? No, it shouldn't. I don't I don't think it does. I don't think it should. No. Covers
3: your bases. I mean, he's not much money. You, you do need a second quarterback. They don't know if they're going to get – if they do want a quarterback, they don't know at this point whether they're going to get him or not. So they've got I to need, have both bases mm-hmm. covered.
2: I have a thought about Hurts that – I thought he showed enough last year that the organization and the fan base would be excited about him now getting this opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you kind of, from what you hear out there, that there's this door opening for them continuing to look for a quarterback makes you think that maybe I was misreading the situation or, or I thought he played better than he actually played. We're, what did you guys think about Jalen Hurts on balance in the work that he did get last year? I agree with your, you. I agree with exactly what you said, Dan.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I think his first game was his best game, and I think that sort of colors the like, analysis. Like him coming in, beating the Saints with an upset. I mean, What were his numbers in that game where he was benched in Week Seventeen?
2: Mm, let me pull it up. They,
3: they were, were te- they were terrible. He was bad in that in that Sunday night game. Right. That, I, that feels I mean, like a, a million years ago.
4: It really does. <laughs> I mean, like I don't I don't think he played well enough that you should say okay, we're committed to this guy for the next five years, or poor enough that we should say. He does not deserve a chance to start again. But I think if you have a guy that you absolutely positively love and he's on the board at six, I don't think Jalen Hurts precludes you from drafting that guy because, remember, they drafted Jalen Hurts to be a backup, to be a a guy who can grow value, to be a guy who was a situational player. Um, I know that that is, you know, I I don't think they drafted Jalen Hurts to replace Carson Wentz. So the Jalen Hurts, as Jalen, 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 say, backup does not, seem that outlandish to them in a way that maybe having Carson Wentz as a backup board it fair
2: he rushed for 354 yards and four starts yes uh, his he completed just over half his passes six touchdowns four interceptions qbr uh, of 41. Passer rating 77.6. I, I guess, yeah, maybe the numbers aren't as good as...
3: I have overrated I
2: many uh, rookie quarterback,
3: especially athletic ones, that have like two pretty good starts out of their first four in their rookie year, and then you think they're great. Does this guy... One of their, their
4: names rhyme with um, Blue Rock?
3: Yeah, that's one. Definitely <laughs> got too excited about him. I mean, I guess they didn't have to be that athletic either, because I'm thinking about... Um,
4: Trent Edwards,
3: maybe Mike Glennon, a little bit. I thought mm-hmm. Mike Glennon could do so. He had a pretty good thirteen game rookie year,
2: but you know so, no, speaking must- of uh this is a trillion years ago. Mike Glennon is a potential face of the Buccaneers, but uh now the Bucks are a totally different animal. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, and they are this isn't just some narrative that's cobbled together in the off season, you know. Oh, they're running it back. They're bringing guys back. And then it's like, well, no, there's a lot of churn going on. No, it really seems like they are going down the road of, let's see if we can win a title again with mostly the same roster. And Dominick Sue, he's back. One-year deal worth $10 million. Um And also coming back, Donovan Smith, the tackle, agrees to a two-year $31.8 million extension, $30 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. What do you think, Bill?
4: I think... The only person who is not back that I can think of is Joe Haig. And I wonder whether the organization punished Joe Haig for not catching that touchdown <laughs> pass in the Super Bowl. Oh I, yeah. I think, I, I think it's fair, if that's how they want to do it. Ouch. Set an example. But I I think otherwise this is a team I thought was very deep heading into last season. So, you know, why not run it back? Like it's not as if you know, if if Brady stinks, like you're screwed anyway. So Like, why not run it back with the same veterans? You can get guys for cheaper. I think as the offseason goes on, if they have any cap space left, they're gonna be a very appealing destination for people on one year deals because of Brady, because of the Super Bowl win, because of no income tax and good weather in Florida. So I could see maybe waiting and saying, Let's wait and see who kind of falls out. Let's who doesn't, you know, who falls through the cracks and we'll get first shot at those guys. But I do think that um they were a legitimately very good team last year, and I have no issues with them running it back with the same guys they had. There's one big piece. From,
2: one big piece. Playoff Lenny still out there.
3: He's out Got there. Antonio lot. Brown's still out there. I saw Greg, Greg Alman of The Athletic wrote, 95.5% of their defensive snaps are returning to the team, and 90% of their offensive snaps are returning. And if Fournette or Brown return, or both, that, that offensive number will go up even more they are loaded they are a great test of like whether bringing it back is uh, rolling everything back the same is a good idea or not
4: would you guys bring back Fournette nah
3: I don't care about Fournette at the right care. price I would not what, pay what him the right like he, the playoff version <sighs> nah I'm not I mean what did Mark Ingram get
2: one three? for three yeah I mean that would be fine that's about, about it, it. <laughs> yeah I'm with that uh, eight o'clock delight Ricky all right, the Cardinals signed cornerback Malcolm Butler, formerly of the Titans, one-year contract. This is a quick fire. Barnwell, what do you got?
4: Uh, better than Patrick Peterson last year, probably,
2: maybe. For sure, for sure. He was good last year, Malcolm Butler. Uh, the New York Jets. Bring in Tevin Coleman, the former 49er. So a lot of talk, Greg, about Sala bringing in his guys from San Francisco. This is the first guy to actually come aboard gangrene.
3: The the ultimate test for them, I think, is if they can run the ball with that same offensive line, it'll prove how smart this hire was. Yeah, they still
2: got to get that line in order. Uh, James... White. They resigned him to a one-year $2.5 million I just lowered playoff Lenny's contract. $2.5 million, Bill Barnwell. James White back. That feels like a nice pickup. Or I thought repayment. he was going to
4: go to the Bucks. I thought he was going to be the Bucks running back, so I'm shocked he went back to New England. They keep yeah. bringing guys back. They, they're
2: looking good, Danny. Yeah, you got to run back the 2020 Patriots. Oh, we're getting a lot of guys back from the off-down. Alright, come back. Uh, Lawrence Guy is back for your contract yeah. with the Pats yeah
3: i mean was, a lot of these guys did not do well elsewhere david andrews is another player who i think expected to leave and did not their center jadavian
2: clowny is on the radar for the browns and once again Phil, it's another team this oh this makes a lot of sense you bookend him with, uh, with miles garrett and you got something cooking but you know Name versus game. Name versus game. Yes or no, that it's a better signing in theory than actuality if the Browns did it.
4: Uh, he will play eight and a half games. He will have one game where he looks incredible, and he will be anonymous for the rest of the season. So yeah, I will it's... say mostly name.
3: Mm. What do you think, Greg? I would do it. I think I this
4: is too.
2: this is the year where like you're not going to have to pay much. It's a pretty big upside. And finally, Damian Williams. Let's hit this properly formerly of the Chiefs, a playoff hero, Super Bowl hero, one-year contract with the Bears. Maybe this will get Bears fans pumped up about the 2021 season.
3: I think this is just a distraction ploy from that Andy Dalton QB1 tweet. Poor Andy Dalton at this point. He's taking too much grief. It's not his
2: fault, the Bears think.
4: Are they going to tweet out RB2 for Damian Williams? (laughs) That's good.
2: That's, again, we talk about this all the time. You know, the, the social media accounts of these teams, they're very powerful. I mean, they, cause a lot of people see it and it, it helps to kind of become a talking point around the team. And you have some 23 year old intern firing off that QB1 with no context of how it's going to be received. And it's just another thing to put on one of the most important players on your team's plate now mm. getting mocked in public. You got to have more experience. You have to have gatekeepers involved with the social media accounts. Maybe they, maybe they knew it was coming and they just,
3: did it kind of in a fun way to get engagement. Let's do some breaking news. I know Bill Barnwell doesn't care about this one as much, but I am so excited. Dan, it has mm-hmm. been announced all California adults will be eligible for a COVID 19 vaccine starting April 15th.
2: Let's get that vaccine here.
3: Put it in my arm. We're getting there
2: now i don't know if bill's been vaccinated uh, and that's his i'm just saying that while well, he's know, not a california resident it in on him or, oh you
3: know. yeah
4: are, are you guys offering me a <laughs> california residency to get a shot because
3: i'll be on that next plane over guys i mean april 15 still a little bit away but i like the i like some clarity in the situation it feels good. that's good it feels good great news
4: i have found right. shots for everyone i know in my family but me so mm. when it happens i'm gonna be very excited
2: um, all right, that's what's happening in the news. All right, so Bill cranks it out every year. It's a must-read every year. The best NFL free agency signings, and yes, the worst, which to me, it's always a, a more enjoyable read. I like to read about who, who messed up. I don't know why. I don't know if everyone's like that or if that's just like the, what I'm like, but I, I always I'm always curious about that because it's like, here's the real deal from people that know. But let's start with some sunshine. Okay. Um and you ranked it one to ten, so I guess it would make sense for me to start with number one here. You thought the the best signing in free agency to date, um, Trent Williams, back to San Francisco. And obviously, it makes everyone knows why it makes sense to oh you get to keep your franchise left tackle. Yeah. But what makes it like the best signing? What made it so smart beyond just the fact that he's a great player at a key position?
4: So I think two things. Number one players who are as good as Trent Williams do not hit the market. I mean, you get the rare exception once every few years and this is of course another exception. Williams would not have left Washington if he hadn't uh, basically held out for a year. He would not have been able to make it to the Niners and got the you no know, trade tag attached no no uh, franchise tag attached to his deal uh, if that had not happened. And then he's now 32, I think, maybe turning 33, but he is a superstar player. At one of the foremost important positions in football. And those guys just do not become available. Like, there has to be some kind of major, major flaw, like, you know, Drew Brees having a torn labrum or something uh, that would cause a player of that caliber to be available in free agency. So, to get that guy is great. Now, it would be more impressive if, like, the Chiefs had got him because they didn't have him previously. But um, given that he was a, you know, quote unquote free agent technically, uh, I give the Niners credit for bringing him in. I mean, this is a team that. Um, When I get to the other part of this, you know, that has a major, major, major question mark at quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who has not been able to stay healthy and didn't stay healthy last year with Trent Williams at left tackle. But having great tackles is going to give him the best chance of staying healthy. And we saw two years ago that when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, they were a good enough team to make it to the Super Bowl. So I think he makes that team so fundamentally better given the... Inexplicable choice they've made to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million and go a quarterback. And uh, I think that he is a guy who was a Hall of Famer and who still has four or five years left at a premium position playing as one of the two or three best players at that position. That Those guys just do not become available while they're still close to the prime of their careers.
3: Bill really burying Jimmy G was the secret uh, highlight of that analysis.
4: $25 million for a guy who has not been able to stay healthy in pretty much every one of his Be- pro seasons.
2: And you know what? Sometimes football is a game of inches. Maybe that's not the comment we're making if he hits Manny Sanders on that deep shot at the end of the Super Bowl. But he didn't, and that's how sports work. I,
3: I really believe more than any team they are biding their time for Deshaun Watson. Um, okay. And I think Jimmy G is the perfect uh, guy to hold in between If you know, because they can get rid of him for nothing. Uh they can they can trade him the second they want Deshaun Watson with no cap hit whatsoever. So he's at a good part of his contract. I'm with you on Trent Williams because I think his contract got um overlooked in terms of how affordable it was. Mm-hmm. It it's really three for 60 or four for 80. So that's 20 a year for Trent Williams. They added on these phony kind of phony years at the end. They'll probably never get to. Right. And so he's making less than some of the top left tackles, a little less. And more to my point is that he's making barely more than Joe Tooney. Mm -hmm. He, you know, in terms of guaranteed money, this contract's almost, identical to Joe Tooney so that's why I put Tooney on my worst contracts list not Ooh. to skip ahead but just like positional value and did that get in the way of them just
2: paying Trent Williams a little more mm-hmm. seems like it did so that that
3: was a bad job by the Chiefs
4: I agree
2: well Joe yeah Joe Tooney never you know an all pro level like Trent Williams and you're paying him to be a superstar basically at that position uh, you have two Raiders Bill um, new Raiders on this list which I found interesting you got John Brown who got a little less than eight uh, $4 million over one year. Uh, that makes a lot of se- sense to me uh, because of the upside there, if he could stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe is interesting. Two years, $26 million, so you don't break the bank for him. Mm-hmm. But is there some mounting evidence that Ngakwe is kind of peaked as a player on some level or there's some flaws in his game and he's not worth uh, that level of contract? Apparently, I mean, you'd, you would disagree, but just throwing that out there.
4: That's fair. I, I think that was a situation where maybe teams were looking at his last year of work where he got traded to the Vikings, which seemed like it was a mess. Um, they never had Daniel Hunter or Daniel Hunter. So he was being double teamed pretty consistently, um, goes to the Ravens where he's not a great scheme fit, you know, did an okay job, but he's going to be a pass rusher. He is a, you know, a four, three hand in the dirt pass rusher, um, which is the role I believe he's going to play in Oh, sorry, not in Oakland in Las Vegas, um, for a team that desperately needed pass rushing help for a team that has been, such a mess on defense. And I think even in a down year last year, he had eight sacks. Like, even in a, a year where he was disappointing, he did pretty well for himself. And I think that he's still very young. He has a great track record. Maybe the argument that I could see is when he's not playing next to Clayus Campbell, he's not the same guy. But I think that he is going to be... But like, his floor is like that 6-7 sack range where he's not going to kill you. He's going to be an okay pass rusher. And his ceiling is... This was a guy who looked like he was going to be one of the highest paid edge rushers in all of football two years ago when he was about to come due for a contract. So I think he has significant upside at a pretty reasonable price for edge rushers. He's not getting $20 million a year. I mean, you know, $13 million for an edge rusher really is not all that much. So the Raiders also get a second year if Ngakwe does impress. So. You know, there are some guys where you sign a guy to a one-year deal, and it's like, okay, even if he breaks out, well, what do you get? Like, you still have to sign him in free agency next year. But Ngakwe, because they have him for two years, they actually get a uh, a second year at what would be a lower cost if they want to use that as leverage to resign him to a longer contract or have a guy for an undermarket deal in twenty twenty
3: two. He's a little bit of a cautionary tale of betting on yourself because, yeah, you know, according to the reports that Jacksonville uh, had offered him a few years ago, he probably would have been better off just taking a long-term deal from the Jaguars mm-hmm. when he had it. Before we go to worse, though, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, Team Costco, as you called them, <laughs> on uh, a Twitter exchange, which was the Houston Texans. I love yeah. that. And you, <laughs> threw, you threw one of their signings in there in your list. I don't know, just as a rep of the Texans because you wanted to talk. I think it was Andre Roberts, who's a special yes. teamer, who's a good special teamer. But Team Costco, what do you think of a, a wild approach to free agency where they've signed about 15 guys <laughs> to almost identical one-year, two- or three-million-dollar contracts.
4: I I like teams that have a plan. I mean, Las Vegas Raiders have made a couple really good signings. They have no plan. They are just a mess of throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that they're better this year than they were last year. The Bears have no plan. The Bears are just desperately, <laughs> please, God, let's get to nine wins so we can all get extensions and we don't have to worry about losing our jobs. The Texans have a very clear plan, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Now they were a team that was very top heavy last year. They had six or seven stars who needed to play like stars and stay healthy for them to make it to the Super Bowl. That did not happen. I don't know if you guys saw the Texans were bad last year, and that's yeah. fine. They had all kinds of players who were replacement level talents in meaningful roles on both sides of the football. By the end of the year, I mean it was Chad Hansen, uh, DFS darling. Uh, Catching a ton of passes. It was, you know, guys in the secondary who were awful. Just, just they were. They had underqualified guys across the roster. And I think what we we've seen Nick Casario do in his first year there is have a plan of okay, we're going to build the back end of this roster. We are not going to sign another star. We are going to sign 15 guys who are going to make our special teams better. Who are going to give us depth across the roster. Who are going to have versatility uh, in terms of filling multiple roles. And we're not going to be stuck with a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. In a, in a key situation late in a game. And I think that might not make a difference. This team is probably still going to be bad if Deshaun Watson is not their quarterback. But I think there is a, a logic to what they're doing that I appreciate. And I think that even if it doesn't pay off in the long run, the big picture here does make sense for how the Texans are approaching their roster problems and approaching this offseason.
2: Makes sense. And before we move to the negative, one more, because I love it. And, uh, Greg, you know, you know, this is a, a burgeoning love affair for the old Zusser. Um You're part of the Boone Bros. You are all, oh, yeah, Mike Boone and the Denver Broncos. And, and I love it. So two years, two point six million. It's a great value there if the guy can play. He was buried on the Minnesota death chart. Uh, and now he's going to have a good chance, you think, to have good work because you got Melvin Gordon. I don't like Melvin Gordon. I don't know what it is. Just Dan spent about two him.
3: minutes on NFL Network on our show talking about Mike Boone. We yeah. had to be the first time ever.
2: I'm a Boone bro. Okay, I'm yeah. the NFL Network's Boone bro. Uh, so you got Melvin Gordon, who's just I don't know. He's just kind of sloppy uh, to me. And then Philip Lindsay, they just didn't. They felt like Philip Lindsay wasn't a guy for them, and they mm-hmm. and they let him go. And I guess he is he one of the Costco buys by the
1: Texans. One I of the best ones. Him. I love him. Yeah.
2: Man. Anyway, so it does feel like uh, Mike Boone has an opportunity here if that skill set that he flashed in Minnesota, uh, he gets an opportunity in Denver.
4: Now, Dan, I agree with you 100%. Greg, are you not uh, a Boone bro? Are you not part of the Boone Brigade? I just thought it was a little out of left field.
3: I hadn't heard anything from Dan about Mike Boone, and then suddenly out of nowhere, he's just like starting a whole fan club for him, and and we're spending all this time. No, I'm I'm for it. I like it. It seems like it's fun. All
4: the man does is produced, give him the opportunity outside of that one week 16 game in fantasy championship week where he broke people's hearts in 2019. Mm. Outside of that one week he has been phenomenal. In the preseason, got to quote Adam Levitan, team preseason, excellent excellent player in the preseason a guy who I had on this list before Philip Lindsay was let go wow. the goes. I feel even better about it now I think
3: part of my problem is just it was it was a branding problem. Initially when he came into like I confused him and CJ Ham. They just seemed like they were like one person. Um there are these two big burly guys on Minnesota and you know they're very different. Boone is much better. We were it's- hiding
2: out in the Boone docks. Yeah, in the docks. <laughs> and <laughs> now it. the Boone Bros are out. Boone Brigade's good. Bo- Boone bro listeners, hit me up. Maybe I'll set up a poll. Boone Bros Boone Brigade, and whatever wins, we'll, we'll roll with going forward.
4: I will I will just point out that easy way to remember the difference between those two guys the fullback is the one whose name is a food. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a good that's way a good to remember which one is the fullback, which one's not the fullback.
2: All right, it's now skewed negative. Greg, unless you had any you wanted to throw in on the positive side.
4: Yeah, do you have any you're a particular fan of that maybe I missed? Oh,
3: um. No, I liked, well, the Juju and the Will Fuller deal stuck out to me, probably because of some of the wider, maybe the wide receivers we'll get to. We'll probably talk Aguilar oh. with you. But the wide receivers that sign later, um, it ended up looking so much better. I, I just don't get why Juju suddenly went from like, eh, he's a little overrated to like, he's not good at all. No, he's a, he's absolutely a quality starter. And Will Fuller to me is absolutely a, a one-year deal that is perfect because he has so much upside. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up there long-term, so I think the receivers made a lot of sense.
4: Let me ask you guys about the Juju decision. I know that there was the tweet going around about the various contracts Juju had been offered. Are you surprised he didn't go to the Chiefs, and do you think he should have mm. gone to the Chiefs?
2: Mm. On a one-year prove-it deal, I probably yeah. would say because there's a little bit. It's a little unsettled in mm-hmm. Kansas City right now in terms of the wide receiver pecking order. He could have established himself, and with Tyreek there, probably yeah. maybe you get back into that Antonio Brown vibe where he could be the true number two. I think that probably would have made him more money in the long run, uh, but he must have favored staying home.
3: Yeah, I don't know. He'd be number three there. I mean, because Kelsey and Hill are one and two. Yeah, He'd be on TV a lot.
4: Be on TV a lot. You're going to have some cool celebrations. You're probably going to score a bunch of touchdowns. It's going to be good for... You're more likely to win
3: a Super Bowl. That's for sure. More
4: likely to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know. I I could see both sides of the argument, but I think uh, that's one where I would have... If I had been his agent, I think I would have encouraged him to go to Kansas City.
3: Anybody else, Greg? I I just think Denver has been sliding under the radar. Uh, I know you didn't like the Ronald Darby signing, but I like Ronald Darby generally, and I just feel like... They man they managed to ta- get Kareem Jackson to take a pay cut since we last talked mm-hmm. and they get Kyle Fuller. There's kind of a known quantity in yep. a system. I it's more just like they have a plan. I don't know if it's gonna work. They don't really have a quarterback, but their defense should be awesome. Like I'm looking forward to watching that defense and they, they brought back the right player, Shelby Harris too. It just it made a lot of sense what they what they've done. They just haven't gotten the
4: quarterback. Okay. Before. So if they had a quarterback, leave quarterback aside, where does their roster rank in the NFL from uh, the other 52 spots on the roster.
3: I think it's above average. I think, I think it's, it's
4: well above top average.
2: 12. I think it's top 12 or so. Me too. I, you know, it's annoying because now it's a 17-game season, but I was going to ask you how many wins, and then you could give me 9 or 10 or 11, and I'd be able to like contextualize that immediately. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is that quarterback, Ooh. and you had to assign a, nine or 10 a win wins? total. Yeah.
3: 10. Let's give him 10. Classic
4: 10-7 and seven season. <laughs> right,
2: that's true. They they feel they profile to me as an eleven and sixteen potentially. <laughs> wow, that is that's annoying. weird. I'm I'm not happy about that. It's, um, it's,
4: it's going to be so annoying. Like like at the end of this year, when we're going to see tweets from fans, like how can you say crappy things about Trey Lance when he just set the you know uh, the rookie uh, passing record for my team? And it's like, yeah, he played an extra game, dude. Like, come on.
3: It is. It's gonna. Really mess up records. Record, you know, individual numbers are already messy in football, but it's totally going to ruin them. And
2: then you have guys that in the seventies and six, they play a fourteen game season. It's like right. now it's like a different sport. Um,
4: People are going to discount Mike Boone's two thousand yards, seventeen game season. They shouldn't
2: do that. <laughs> they should not. Absolutely. Uh, all right. On the other side of things, yeah. and. You know I love this. You start bang, bang right off the top. The Patriots were the big story last week. Uh, you have Nelson Aguilar and Johnu Smith one two in your write-ups of worst NFL free agency signings. Uh, why is that the case, Bill?
4: Well, last year, Nelson Aguilar hits the market. He is a meme in Philadelphia. He is not generally wanted by any team, including a team that needed receivers in the New England Patriots. He signs a one-year deal, for I think the minimum or close to the minimum and has a good year, but a year that's totally out of line with his prior crew performance. Even in this breakout season, he drops 8.6% of the passes thrown in his direction. So a, a Patriots team that needed help last year did not offer him like a million and a half or $2 million for one year. Now thinks he is worth fifth, I think $16 million guaranteed. Uh, where even if he gets cut after year one, he's going to get sixteen million one way or another. I mean, that's like that's fundamentally changing the way you view a player after one good but not otherworldly season. And I think that's a thing that the Jaguars have done for years and had it go against them. A Washington Football Team did for years and made mistakes with it. The Jets have done and regretted it. Um, every bad franchise when it comes to free agency over the past 20 years has made that mistake over and over again. And then that's compounded by the fact that, as you guys brought up earlier, I mean, Will Fuller signed a one-year deal for $10 million. Juju signs a one-year $8 million deal. These guys are getting one-year deals for half as much in terms of guaranteed money as Nelson Aguilar got from the Patriots. And they're all better players with more upside. So I... I I just don't like the Aguilar move. I think it's misreading the market. I think it's overvaluing that one year. When it comes to Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, good football players, right? I mean, good, solid NFL-caliber tight ends, but they're now the third highest-paid player in terms of average annual salary at tight ends in all of football behind Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And they're going to be better at tight end. They're going to have a functional tight end group. But the idea that they're going to have Gronk and Aaron Hernandez because they signed two guys who... Uh, you know, Jonathan Smith, who hasn't topped 500 receiving yards once in his pro career, or Hunter Henry, a guy who we know has been tantalizing but never had that breakout season. Those two guys are going to be, you know, superstars suddenly because they're getting paid like superstars. It just doesn't happen. They're paying them like the players they want them to be, as opposed to the players they've actually been or the players they project to be over the next several seasons.
3: I think they went into the free agency period like the like it was the draft yes. that they they planned for this. I think. Somewhat to their credit, I, I do think they looked at everything that was going on going into last offseason, thought this would be an amazing offseason to have a lot of cap space because sure. it's not going to be out in the market. But they went into free agency like it was the draft that they were they were going to get Aguilar. I think it was the Raiders who bid him up, mm-hmm. and it was like they went back and forth, and so that number got crazy. Someone was clearly in on Jonu Smith to to a high degree, oh, sure. and it's like they went into I don't know if they knew they would get both tight ends at that point. I think they thought they thought Henry the price was good enough. Uh, But that's how you make It is how you make mistakes The Aguilar signing reminds me a little of Even though Leonard Floyd's returning to the Rams It's like you bought super low That was great But now you're buying high off the good season But it's like It's just sort of obvious, you know, what's better, you know, <laughs> buying lower, buying high. They, they, the Patriots are buying extremely high on on Aguilar. I like Johnny Smith, but it, they're paying a premium because they just went into free agency being like, we are
2: going to get these five guys. And they just did whatever they could to get them. Yeah. Um, so a mission accomplished banner. Once again, we wanted these guys. We got these guys.
4: Uh, Don't the, worry about anything else. The Aguilar signing has real Laurent Robinson vibes to me. Um, for going back a decade or so. I
3: don't care about so. the money that much, though, because they're either wrong that they're good or bad players or not. Like, mm-hmm. that. The, they're all two-year deals, essentially. They right. still have more cap space than they really need. They might be very wrong, but their, their roster was so bad that right. – that the only thing that I wish was just like, well, why didn't you sign Juju Smith-Schuster? I don't... Yeah, he's a, a, a pretty similar player to Aguilar. I know he's more... Aguilar's a better deep threat and a little more of an outside guy, but I would say they're they're quite similar, and Juju is much more reliable.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's more the opportunity cost, right? Like, it's not like right. you're getting a better player with Aguilar than, you know, Demir Bird, but, like, you could have had this incredibly, significantly better team if you go out and you sign Juju Smith-Schuster and Will Fuller and... Uh, Gerald Everett and Jared Cook and trade for Lee Smith, like you spent less money and you have a really scary group of receivers as opposed to the guys they have who, you know, have pretty low floors. Hunter Henry hasn't been able to stay healthy for most of his career. Nelson Aguilar was a, you know, a veteran minimum guy a year ago. Like it's just, I, I, they've got him better, but I think they missed out on having the opportunity to add a really significant core of talent at those positions.
2: That they, if they give Aguilar, for instance, one year for eight, maybe they can get. Chris Carson in their building and you know you things go. like I guess there's a chain reaction to all this but I really I have to say like even if somebody and Greg knows an audience gets annoyed at me because they're like oh Dan hates the Patriots which is true Um, that he was so good for the Raiders last year I, I understand the the drop rate it remains an issue but I, I feel like every time I watch the Raiders last year he was making big plays for them so it's he could end up being a bargain, ultimately. If sure, not out of their uh, own possibility, you know, for sure. It, it could happen. All right, uh, let's see. What's Greg? Why don't you throw one out there? Either of your, from your own, or uh, one of uh, Bill's.
3: Well, I uh, I'm curious that you were so down, Bill, on the on the Lenny Williams deal. Okay, because because the only, I know it's like a lot of money. I mean, I guess that's it, but he was just so good that it's like, okay, well, like I almost feel like it got a little overlooked how good Leonard Williams was last year. And you, you're kind of building around that scheme. You know, he fits in that scheme. So I don't have a problem with it. Like you mentioned it take, takes a lot of things for guys like Trent Williams to hit free agency. Leonard Williams isn't quite there, but Leonard Williams in Patrick Graham's scheme, maybe I'm buying in too much on one-year sample, but Leonard Williams in Patrick Graham's scheme is almost there for me, that he is like an elite player, and you've seen him in this scheme, so I'm fine just paying the money.
4: Okay, so let's say Leonard Williams had five and a half sacks last year. Would you feel comfortable with them paying him what they're paying him?
3: I didn't even know how many sacks he got. He was a game wrecker, like, game after game, and he took over, like, three games.
4: Okay, so And he, I think
3: he was really good pretty much the other game. So, to me, he was, like, a top five. He's a unique player because he's kind of a, not exactly an edge or interior. You can do both. But I think he was about as good as it was at that position.
4: So, he had six sacks in two games last year against the Seahawks and the Cowboys. So, I, wa- I watched all the sacks, but I watched the six sacks closely. I put them in the column. Two of those sacks, I'm going to just quote almost directly, were cleanups on pressures created by their players where the quarterback ran into him. Another was a coverage sack against Russell Wilson, who, I don't know if you know this, happens to have a bunch of coverage sacks, went totally unblocked on a twist to get Wilson for another sack, and was just totally unblocked off the edge for a free sack on Andy Dalton. So, like, you know, I, I don't think that sacks are a great measure of defensive line performance. I don't think that they are signing him because they had those sacks, but I think the perception that he was a game wrecker is in part because he had crazy sack numbers in those two games. And I think those okay. sacks are mostly a product of the people around him. And I think he's better than his sack numbers were in years past, but like the 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 level he is at right now, the price tag he is at is Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, Joey Bosa. Like those guys who are perennial players at that level. If he's the guy he was last year, doesn't matter. The like the Giants will be happy. He's not going to be I think as good as those guys, but he's going to be very good. But he has one year In his career, at that level, in this one scheme, so
2: to me, it is funny. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry.
4: No, I mean, like I I just think, like the odds are that he's not going to be that guy again in 2022 or sorry 2021 or 2022. And if he's not, then this is a you know a very dramatic overpay for a team that could have used that money to sign two or three starters on defense.
2: Because when he was on the Jets, he he didn't get home. Uh, a lot, but he did was a consistent guy, causing pressure, right? Hurries, on some level, knockdowns. He's been pretty but, consistent as a pro, as a pretty but like good m- pro. My larger kind of point on that is, and the NFL, just like many of the sports now, there's a analytics revolution that's well underway. Uh, like how in baseball, for instance, RBIs, people that are the, in the nose, they don't put too much into that because that is a product of a lot of things. Of um, sacks, on some level, feel like they've they've stayed at the top of the priority list for a lot of people that make decisions even when you start to break these things down and mm-hmm. take a closer look at the film it's it could be very misleading in terms of what the guy actually does
4: for sure i i think there is a a thing where a team you know at least on some broad level whether it's ownership whether it's the gm whether it's okay we need to get that guy who's going to get us 10 sacks a year and the comforting thing is seeing a guy who has that double-digit number on his resume where you can sit there and say, okay, well, we know he did it in the past, so he's going to do it again for us. And I think that Leonard Williams was the guy who had that potential and was that kind of guy on a play-by-play basis in terms of generating hits, in terms of generating hurries with the Jets, and was underrated. And now I think because of last year, because of that run right at the end of the year, I think he's a little overrated. So I think he's somewhere in the middle. If this had been like a 12 – if this had been the Yannick and Gokwe deal – No issue at all. But I think that that extra $8 million a year they're giving him is going to hurt them because that could have really helped their offensive line or helped them add um, maybe a quarterback who was competent or another uh, guy on the defensive side of the ball.
2: You hated the Kenyon Drake to the Raiders move. Hated it.
4: Did anybody like it? Was anybody out there? I
3: don't hate it because – because I like watching Ken Drake play football. Like, of course, it's, again, too much money and not like a a great use of resources, but like, that's going to be a good backfield. I think Ken Drake somehow is not, I don't know if he's underrated, but I think in a 175 touch role, he's like, you know, he's like bargain guy, bargain Aaron Jones. Like, he, he can have a nice, he'll have a big season for you.
4: I... I'm not, not going
3: to hate it. It fits with what they do, too.
4: I spent every Cardinals game last year hoping Chase Epburn was in the backfield and being upset when Kenyon Drake was in the backfield instead.
3: Wasn't as good last year as, as the two years prior, but was really good those the two years prior. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, they have, I think they've hinted that he's going to be in the Joker role, which is the same role they wanted to use Lynn Bowden in, if I'm not mistaken, when they drafted him. And they gave up on Lynn Bowden after a training camp and sent him to the Dolphins. With Drake, they're paying him, I think, eight and a half guaranteed in the first year. So. They can't give up on him. They need him to be that Mm. guy. And I think that is one of those things where I think I don't know who they were bidding against for him to be in that role. Like, I think they see him as a player who could justify making that kind of money in that role if he feels what they need. But, like, given the running back market, he's getting more than Chris Carson. He's getting more than, I mean, guys like Mark Ingram. I, I just, I just, like, wouldn't you rather have Philip Lindsay in that role for a lot less money
3: yeah in a world where they say running backs don't get paid kenny drake's made a lot of money the last two, two years
4: good for him good for him you're tonight. right you're
3: right to the point that the raiders seem like they're always like flailing and changing what they what their plan is or like covering up past mistakes but that's what gruden did in tampa speaking of past mistakes by the way i i didn't realize we were getting so late i gotta get my son walker to this passport appointment it's a hard it's a hard out
2: that's a hard all out, right. Dan. Oh no. Well, let's wrap it up then. Okay. We were pretty much there. We were there. That was good. We were. Very, I was just about to wrap it up anyway. You, so yes, that check it out on ESPN.com. Bill Barnwell's best and worst uh, free agent signings. There are more on there, so so dig in. And also, of course, uh, the Bill Barnwell Show, his great podcast, where he has a, a rotating cast of friends uh, involved. Bill, uh, you've said it all. You've done it all. Thank you, sir.
4: My pleasure. Again, sorry to be the uh, bargain basement sessler for a week, but no. <laughs> uh, anytime you guys need me to fill in for Mark, happy to do it.
2: Awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. And again, listeners, remember the Around the NFL broadcast is on NFL Network Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, and uh, overseas listeners, you know where to find it on the old Game Pass app. Greg, you got to do your dad work. Thank you very much, buddy. And uh, again, we will be back Friday for the network show, Monday for the podcast. This is Dan Hansen signing off for the great Bill Barnwell. And yes, I'm going to have that poll up there Boon Bros, Boon Brigade. What's it going to be? We don't know. Dan Hansen signing off for Bill Barnwell, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until Monday, He's the call.